0: Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church sermon podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Well, today we're starting a brand new series. Uh, We're going to be heading to Genesis chapter 2. Here in just a second, so if you want a heads up on where we're going in Scripture this morning, you can head on over to Genesis chapter 2. Today we're starting a new series, which is entitled, Flip This Home. Now you might be familiar with the term, Flip This House. Flipping houses has become a very popular thing over the past 10 plus years. In fact, just a couple of years ago, statistics showed that 6% of home sales were the result of a flipped house. Now, some of you might be thinking, what in the world does it mean to flip a house? Now if you watch HGTV's uh, Fixer Upper, is that right? It's not Upper Fixer, yeah, Fixer Upper, Chip, Join the Gains, anybody familiar with that show? Uh, you saw maybe that they've popularized in a lot of ways, they've become millionaires, by flipping houses. They own several businesses. But when you flip a house, it's where an investor buys a piece of property that has potential to increase in value with the right repairs and updates done, also known as a remodel. After completing the remodel, they make money from selling the house for a much higher price than they purchased it for. In other words, a house is bought and then flipped for a profit because the work done on it increases the value of the house. Now here's the thing about the home. We live in a culture and society where the home and the family continues to be under attack and is actually in a state of deterioration. In culture, in society, so more than a house, the home needs to be flipped. And in Scripture, we find God's blueprint for how a home is to be flipped and the necessary renovations and remodels that needs to take place. Here comes the importance of men and fathers. One decision a man makes in his life, not just as a man, but also as a husband or a father, one decision can not only affect his life, but it also affects the life of his wife, the life of his children. One decision a man makes can actually set the direction for a generation. If that decision is negative, like you see in the fall, then behind that falls a weight of pain, in a her. of If that man makes a decision in the positive, then behind that decision comes the opportunity and the foundation on which his wife, his children, and generations to come can actually thrive. If you haven't heard any statistics in regard to the importance of men and fathers and husbands. Let me share some things with you this morning that researchers have demonstrated over the last several years and decades. According to the American Psychological Association, in Western culture, More than 90% of people marry before the age of 50. So marriage is still very, very, very popular. It's proven that healthy marriages are good for couples' mental and physical health. They are also good for children. Growing up in a happy home protects them from mental, physical, educational, and social problems. However... Still, in the United States of America, 40 to 50% of married couples split up. According to the Pew Research Center, what we've seen over the last several years in regards to older couples shows that the divorce rate for adults ages 50 and older has roughly doubled in the past 25 years. Now, here's where men come to play in all of this, especially in the youth culture. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from homes without a dad. 85% 85% of all child behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems are men who didn't have a dad at home. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent Patients in chemical abuse centers don't have a dad at home. Seventy percent of youth state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. More than 85% of all youth in prison come from homes without a dad. According to research within the past 20 years, fatherless boys and girls are twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, and four times more likely to need help for emotional and behavioral problems. So today, as we observe And celebrate Father's Day. We cannot stress the importance enough that for every guy who's here, the decisions you make in your life don't just affect you, but they affect the world around you, and they will have an impact on the generations to come. Today, we have a guy here who is celebrating a very, very special Father's Day. As that guy comes on up here, and we're going to hear from him this morning. This particular day marks a special anniversary for our very own Bobby Green. And you might be thinking... So why in the world and have seen Bobby? So why in the world is today such a special day for you? And, and and the reason we're looking in Genesis today is because when you think about the importance of of the man, the man, the father, the husband, there's actually a precedent set in the creation story and narrative that puts him in a central role and as a foundational figure for all of humanity, for society and community, and also for the family. Because he's created first, and then the other relationships come out of him Taken from him. But then not only that. The decisions that he makes. That you see in the Genesis account. Throughout the rest of scripture. It's never said that Eve is responsible for the fall. But even though she was deceived. And she ate first and gave to her husband. Who was with her that demonstrates that. That he was right there close by. When you read the creation story and the narrative of the fall, don't think for a minute that Adam was off somewhere fishing, gardening somewhere, doing something different. But he was in close proximity to Eve, which means at any point in time, he could have corrected the serpent's deception, her misinterpretation of what god had said and he could have protected her he could have stepped in he could have from the very beginning made things right it's often been suggested that in the fall of man the first mistake was not when adam ate but when adam did not take action when he did not take action to correct the wrongs that were developing in front of him. So the rest of scripture, like in Romans 5. When it says, through one man, sin entered the world. Death, through that sin. Who is that one man? It is not the one woman. But it's the one man. And it's Adam. So he plays a big deal in this. Ten years ago. Today, something happened with you. You made a decision. Your life had been going in a lot of different places, but for some reason, 10 years ago on Father's Day, and by the way, his grandbaby is here today. Is, is some the first time the grandbaby's here? First time. Oh, yeah. Steve. You, know, you got to be wrong, all right? Bobby Green's grandbaby is here, first time here at First Missionary. Hey, listen, I'm going to let you introduce your grandbaby, okay? okay.
1: <clears throat> this is uh, mine and Misty's first grandbaby, and, and y'all that know, we've got a ton of kids, so we're able to have a gazillion grandbabies, but <laughs> this little grandbaby is Mia, and uh, the love of our life. I, I never I never knew that I could love mm,
0: Anything like that. Tell us her right. name and all
1: that. Me and Nicole, is that right? Me and Nicole. Hedge. Me and Nicole Hedge. Just a wonderful uh, addition to uh, to our wonderful family that we got. Um, yeah, like Brother Allen was saying, 10 years ago today, I, I made a choice that all four of my kids laughed at me like two days prior about doing, <laughs> you, know, we're, you know, I'd lived a life of, uh, of 25 years of, of being a drug addict and, and everything. And, and uh, you know, I, I got put in jail and I made a promise in jail at that point that, that I was going to, to change my life. And, and I think that's what God kind of wants us to do sometimes. He wants us to kind of put the foot forward because his foot is always there waiting for us. And when I did that, you know, for over about a year there, he really weighed on on a lot of things with me about family values, which I, I had installed in me somewhat with my own father, but just kind of led me into a time to where I really kind of hung out with him quite a bit, and I turned away from from all the things that I I did in my life, and it got to be a Father's Day of, of 2008 and. I told all them kids, I said, they was like, Daddy, what you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do for Father's Day? I said, I want to go to church. And you know what they did? <laughs> really? You're crazy. You're crazy. But no, it, it was really serious. You know, he'd really been weighing on me to uh, to get my kids in church, to try to find a church family. And he had put different types of people in my life to kind of kind of guide me in that direction is what he done. So
0: So backing up just a little bit. You had some encounter with the Lord. You said you were in prison and you you knew
1: God's love was pursuing you. Yeah. Yeah. He had, I would, right down here in Marsh County Jail, uh, they arrested me for a meth precursor. And that was what that is is a person that buys too much Sudafed to manufacture meth. And they arrested me right in front of (laughs) them. in front of my own pocket. Uh, so he took me to jail, and as I sat alone in the, in the, in the holding tank, he really started weighing some things on me, kind of asking me some questions on what am I going to do with myself here and where the Lord was, and, and uh, I told him, I said, no, Lord, you know. I'm going to make a promise to you. If I get out of here, I'm going to change my life. And you know, there's things there, guys, that I had to kind of get through when I got out. I had some methamphetamine still, and I didn't promise the Lord that I wasn't going to do that. I promised Him after I was done with that, I was, I was done. And I kept my promise to Him right there. I did. And from that point on, He kept His promise to me uh, about loving me, about showing me who He is, and about showing me how much grace is. And I didn't really know a whole lot about grace or what grace was or mercy because I was, I didn't have none of those things for anybody as, for, for several years. And, uh, he began to work on me hard and changed my life from that point on. And, uh, like I said, for about a year, he weighed on all those things and I loaded up all those kids in a, in a minivan. And, uh. We, we walked into church at, at Harden Badges for the first time. And as I sat there for, for several months, and kind of they went over the books of Romans, I found myself one September day of 2008, broken and understanding that no matter who, how good I was to take my children to church and how good I was, you know, now that I did, wasn't a drug addict anymore, that I still carried a lot of sin on top of me, and Jesus was there to save me, and I give myself to the Lord right there in the body shop, but it, it was that point, guys, that when I took those kids to church, that the, the generations like you just talked about was altered. You know, we, we hear of, you know, you hear of families and families that their, their life never changes. Their life is still going one way. And I'm telling you, we, we still have hiccups in our life, and that's just part of life. But we have, st- we, Jesus saved me in that body shop. He began a good and a merciful work on, on all my kids, and, you know, and, and he began to save them. And he, and he put Misty in my life, and, and we became husband and
0: wife. Can I stop right here for a second? Can we just preach together today? Yeah. Okay. So like in, in Genesis 2. And you guys can see this in your Bible today. Well, God makes everything. And we know that on the sixth day, he decides to make peace. So like around Genesis 1, we're going to hit 2. The scripture says, God says, like he's having a conversation with himself. If you've never noticed this, this is Genesis 1, 26. We're heading to 2. And you can see that with me. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God makes man with his purpose in creation he kind of, if you think about it, he kind of sets him up above all all the everything else mm-hmm. in creation, right? So so he's like the prize. Like day six, everything's made, but then in, in what he does in day six, when he makes man, he puts man over everything else. So that shows the preeminence, the, the centrality of the role that that man's going to play in everything else. So if you don't think men are important to God, then reread the story. Men are very important to God. And then it says in verse 27, So God created man in his own image, which I take to mean he makes him this with this unique ability to know and to be known, to relate to be relatable, to converse, to have relationships. He makes him in this unique image. In the image of God, he created him. And then says, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and what? Be fruitful and multiply. multiply. Y'all know what that means, right? Does anyone need any help on this part? say, no, I got it, Brother Allen, amen. I get that amen. part. Right? Okay, you got it? Some of y'all, we're going we're gonna to talk after church, okay? <laughs> Just meet in the fellowship cafe, okay? <clears throat> Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth, all right? Then you fast forward to Genesis 2. Which is not like this other creation story, but it's like looking back into chapter 1 and drawing more out of it. That's what Genesis 2 does. So in Genesis 2, 7, when he makes man, the scripture says, The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and, be- and man became a living being. Whose breath did he have in him there? He had the Lord's breath in him. That word there for breath is the same word we get spirit from. And you know what's awesome about this? Irrespective of what happens in the fall, the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, man gets God's breath back into him through the Holy Spirit. And that's what you're talking about, right? That when you gave your life to Jesus, it was literally like God breathing his breath breath back into you,
1: how did that change impact your life? It changed it dramatically. Uh, Not only did it save me and, and, and give me a different direction, but it installed the love of God into my heart. That is something i struggled with all my life because I come to a point prior to all this where I didn't know how to love people, I didn't know how to care about people, and that went on to affect my life with my children. So at the point of salvation, when He breathes His love back into your life again, He gives you all the characteristics of God, and when He does that, that makes you alive to all things. You know, turning the light on. Now, what does God's light do? It radiates through the darkness. Am I correct on that? So when He does that, you do that with your children. It brings a new relationship with all your children. It brings a new relationship. With the love of your life. Now, Misty wasn't wasn't part of my life at that at that point, which or prior to that, but it made me understand what it was like to love the woman that was brought out of my rib. And that's kind of the way I look at her. You know what I mean? He, what did God do? He took man that He put up here on the pedestal over all things, and He took the rib out of man to make the love of His life. Can you, can you imagine? That? love of your life out of you. And that's the way I look at mystic. He made the love of my life out of me.
0: We have something back into the text that you see in the text that I think is really neat. You get to Genesis to he breathes into his life, his, into man, the breath of life, he becomes a living soul, a living being. In two eighteen, 18, you see this in your Bible, then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to what? To be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Your translation might say comparable to him. Uh, Another way to understand this is I will make for him a helper or a helpmate, someone to come alongside him who's just right for him who's just right for, say that with me, just Just right. right for him. So then here's what God does. God then brings all the animals by. See this in the text. God brings all the animals by, and Adam has the responsibility of naming all the animals before Eve is ever created. But even before we get to that, he says it's not good for man to be a what? Not good for man to be a what? Man to be alone. When you look at what God has already done in creation, did you know that for every day that God creates, He also creates what is known as a sister day or a day that complements another day that He made? You say, what in the world does that mean? So like on day one, the things He makes on day one, like the sky, the firmament, the heavens, On day number four, he makes like the stars of the sky to fill the sky, the birds of the air to fill the sky. So day one has as a sister day, day four. Day two has as a sister day, day five, he makes the land on day three. And on day six, he makes all the critters, including man, to fill the land. In other words, there's not one single thing in creation that God ever intended To live alone. Day one lives with day four. Day two lives with day five. Day three lives with day six. And even man, when he makes man, he says it's not good for man to what? Be alone. And here we have the nucleus and the beginning of what we know as the family. And that is so huge and important to God. God cares so much about the family. And it's man and it's woman. It's interesting to me that he brings all these critters by. And the scripture says that God does not find one suitable for him. So he's like, "Uh, there goes whatever. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, And Adam's going, nah, not for me. There goes
1: rhinoceros. Uh,
0: <laughs> Sorry, not for me. Adam says, there goes a big owl. <laughs> My dog. <laughs> <laughs> Man's best friend, right? Damn. Still not for me. And here's what's even interesting about this. We know that when the animals went on the ark, they went what? Y'all with me? They went two by two, male and what? So do you think even when God brought the rhinoceros by, he brought the male rhinoceros. Right. And then he, the female rhinoceros goes by him. Yeah. And he brings the, what was the second one? The first the, giraffe, Draft. the male giraffe. Then the female giraffe. And he's like, uh, no. And then you think that in those, not only does he not see an animal that is suitable for him, but he also sees them with their mate, and he says, you know what, God? I really got to have a what? I got to have a woman. I got
1: to have a mate.
0: I got to have a woman. That's,
1: that's funny, you know, that you know he does. Well, it's not funny, but it's, a, it's an amazing. It's a miracle that he does that. Uh, share a small story about Misty and I. For, I'd spent two years with my kids, you know, and just trying to build those relationships back as a dad, you know, and, and feeding off the Lord to, to be a suitable father. And you guys that are becoming fathers and already fathers, it, it's, a, it's a growing process. It never stops. Am I right, Steve? It's a growing process. It never stops. But what I did is, is I knew that I needed a mate for these kids. And, and, I, and I wasn't going to settle for second best because I tried it before, Alan, by myself choosing that by myself and it didn't work out.
0: You're talking about trying to choose mates. Trying to choose mates. Your, how important is it to choose well?
1: It is very important to choose well. It's like we talked. It can alter your whole direction. It can alter your whole family's direction in a different direction that it doesn't need to go. Choices are a big deal in our life. You either make a good choice or a bad choice. and, and some, you got to ride both of them out. you got to. But what I did is, for, I'll be honest with you here, for six months or longer, I prayed persistently and diligently for the Lord to send me. I wasn't asking for a, a wife. I was asking to begin with, for a mate, for a, a friend, somebody I could hang out with and, and I could kind of share my life together. With. Well, I mean, six months later, you know, I'm sitting in a, a counseling center Comes Misty comes. I don't share the story. Do you care if I do that? <clears throat>
0: Misty comes bebop moment. Really gave her much of a choice. <laughs> to be honest, Bobby. I think we're going to hear the story. <laughs> what do yeah, y'all think? Cool.
1: We're going to hear the story. But here I am sitting there on the couch, and I've notice this young lady in church a time or two. And it's Misty. And she came in and sat down, and I reminded her who I was, and, and she's like, No, you're not really. And I was like, I am, and, and I said, "What are you here for?" And she said, "Well, I'm here for counseling with my my marriage." And I was like, "Well," and here comes uh, Norm. Norm come out and guide her and, and tuck her in there. And he said, "You know," he said, "I seen you sitting there talking to Bobby Green." He said, "If you," he said, "I'm not telling you to do this, but he said if you're if you're looking for a, a decent person to talk to you every now and then, he would be one to talk to." Her. She reminded him real quick that he, she had our, she was in here for a marriage that was going south, so she didn't, she didn't want to hear that from him, you know. And she had she
0: knew Bobby who Bobby Green was. Yeah, yeah. We had <laughs> we had dated <laughs> <laughs> she met all of her family knew who Bobby Green
1: was too, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we had we had dated for about two weeks in high school and that's about all she could handle that old boy. <laughs> <laughs> but over you know, over after she came out, you know, and I was really persistent, you know, she went on and you know, things didn't work out with her and her husband after. And we grew as a friendship, is what it was. It's what it grew for. That's all I asked the Lord for, was a friendship. And we became really good friends. She became my best friend. I allowed him to get in front of me and dictate my life of accusing Samuel for me, And then ultimately, she asked me to marry her.
0: Yeah. So, you know, what's, <laughs> you know what's really neat in the creation story? I've been studying through Genesis over several months. I've seen things in, in Genesis I've, I've never seen before. Okay, so you ask the question, you know, what makes somebody married? When does the first marriage occur? After God makes woman from Adam's side, not from his head that he might, you know, she might rule over him or he over her, uh, the foot, nothing like that, knee, but from his side. It's translated oftentimes rib, but it literally just means side. From his side. She's to be by his side because she is from his side. She's to be, listen ladies, she's to be by his side because she's from his side. And then God presents her to him. And this is what he says. It's in Genesis 2, verse 23. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Historically, this is a covenantal response, which means when he says this, and you find this in another place of Scripture where Israel commits itself to follow David as king, in this covenantal response, this is actually a pledge of loyalty and a pledge of commitment. And notice this. In the house codes, in the book of Ephesians, where it says that the man is to be head of the wife, head of his home, it means that he is to pledge himself to be a caretaker, to be a nurturer, To be the foundation on which his wife and his kids, listen to this, can build their lives. The word house husband comes from the word house band, which means it's the man who holds it together. He takes full responsibility
1: with all things that
0: goes on in his house. And this is a covenantal response where he literally pledges himself to her. And that's what makes you married. It is when you pledge your heart to take care of, to commit, to nurture, to be the one that she and the children can build their house on. And did you know that after this in scripture, she's not called woman, she's called his wife. Which means it's in that commitment that they become husband. And they become what They
1: become as one together. It's really amazing, you know. You know, you guys. Some of you ladies kind of read that part in Ephesians, you know, and you kind of take take be taken out of context. Some people. Are, when a man loves his wife, like he's supposed to, he nurtures her. He, he, you know, I'm not saying he gives her everything. I'm saying that he comes alongside. Of and she comes alongside of him, and, she, and he loves her like the love of Christ has brought fell upon him. She's going to come along by his side. She's going to come along by your side. Even in, Misty can tell you this too, even in times that she's just not really for sure, she's not trusting in the man, she's trusting in what God has done to the man that
0: she loves. So she's trusting in the Lord, but when she sees the Lord in your life, it makes it easier for her to trust you. Totally.
1: How many guys do you think missed that? I missed it for a long, long time. I think there's a lot of guys that missed that, right there. I really do. And, you know, I think it's really something that just really needs to be kind of kind of taught quite a bit through, through all churches and, and, and to all men. Really. Because I think, I don't really think that some men really mean to not really take that into effect. I think they just kind of lose focus what their their purpose is as, fa- as the family, the
0: head of the household and, and what he is to her. So like being head is not like man, like the, the caveman image, right? Where he goes out and you know uh, you know, grabs her by the hair of the head and brings her in and she picks dinner and all this stuff. It's it's not the caveman image. He's not tearing her down or dragging her down, but he's what he's building her up. He's building her up. His purposes with her is to
1: build her up, not to tear her down. And once you have her built up next to you, it's such a a oneness when you have that. Because, you know, what Jesus do? He he didn't send one person out, He sent two out. And we're right side by side. And when you send a man and a woman togetherness out side by side, that is some of the toughest wall you'll ever break down. And both them people trust in the world the way that they're supposed to, and they rely on them on But ultimately, they rely on him to lead them through their lives, and you can't tell
0: that. You know, something that I think is really awesome about your story is there is a lot of brokenness. Not just in your life, but there was brokenness in this life. I mean, is this not a picture of redemption? Is it not a picture of the gospel? I mean because I mean these statistics they don't lie. You know, five out of every five out of every ten marriages ends in divorce. Baby boomers over the age of fifty are divorcing twice as much as they ever have before. I mean, it's crumbling and falling apart all around us. And everybody wants to look for solutions outside the family, outside the lives of men. And there's a lot of people who are like, well, I've been through this brokenness. I've been through this pain. Is there any hope?
1: There, there, there's a ton of hope. But the hope comes through the life of Jesus that lives in you, that he that He works through you. That's what it is. It, it's got to happen through you and the lady by your side. Once, once we take our eye focus off, off of what he's done in your life, I mean you can come in here and you can get you can have salvation and, and run your life and run your life with it. But once you take off with the focus of what really has happened here, you're gonna have some 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 of these statistics will happen and they will. You know, one
0: of the things I love about the creation story is after you know, Eve's deceived, she gives with her she gives to her husband who was with her, suggesting he was close by that you know, God calls him to accountability. They don't want to take responsibility, right? She's like, oh, you know, the serpent. He's like the woman you gave me. Like he's, you know, almost blaming God, the woman you gave me. And nobody wants to take responsibility. But then God steps in. He clothes them. He takes the life of an animal. He clothes them in a way that they can't close themselves. And he gives them in Genesis 3.15 the hope of the gospel of Jesus. Mm-hmm. What is called the Proto-Evangelium, which means it is the first gospel, the hope that Jesus Christ will crush the power of sin and the serpent's head. He gives that hope and that promise to them. So God truly does take ashes and turns it to beauty. Sure but a man has to make a choice, right? Sure does. And when you're looking at a pot and it's
1: thrown down on the ground and it's into a million pieces, well, that's that may be your life. That was my life. That was Misty's life. But through the hope and redemption of Christ in our lives, God takes those pieces and He begins to put them back together. Now we're still going to carry some scars. We're still going to carry scars. Just like we put that pieces back together with that pot, we're going to see some little cracks and maybe some some places where we used glue. But the redemption and the hope relies in him. And then once you once you go through life together like that, people see that hope and redemption through you. And it starts to question. How are you like that? And I'm gonna tell you, my Misty's life is not perfect. I guarantee you the devil's
0: ticked off right now, and he's gonna be fighting mad when you walk out this door. You'll probably have a big old fight this Probably record. will. I've been, I'm sitting there be expecting calling me and it's Father's Day and I'll be like Bobby. I ain't got time. I'm a dad today, not a pastor. That's
1: just the kind you know, you, because she, she understands what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. You, you know, she understands what I'm talking about. But he he is faithful to you guys. He's faithful when we're not faithful. He puts our lives back together when we start putting our hope and in our,
0: in our, in our choice in him. You know, thank you, Bobby, for just sharing this senior anniversary with us today. I am so glad. You're a part of our church family. And man, just seeing your heart and how God uses your life is a huge blessing to me. And, and this is a picture to me too of where I, I hope our ministry stays. It's, it's striving with people and, and being there where there's brokenness and being there where there's calamity and misfortune and hurt, that we're right there in the heart of it. And I know a lot of young men who are struggling today because they're trying to find the woman. They want the right woman. And the right woman's good, right? I mean, one of the most important decisions you ever make in your life is who you spend your time with. Can I get an amen? One of the most important decisions you ever make in your life is who you spend your time with. But here's what I think God's saying to some of the young guys today. Don't go finding a woman till you find me. Find me first. Let me be the foundation of your life. Because you gave your life to Jesus before Jesus gave you mischief. Is that not right? It's going to be hard for guys to go after that woman or go after that girl if they don't have the foundation of Christ first. I mean, they can do it, but there's nothing there to build on, right?
1: Right?
0: Well, God bless you for sharing, and i want to ask you folks to stand with us, and, and I just want to give the guys here a challenge today. Here's what I want to encourage of our fathers and our husbands. Some practical things that you can take home with you today, okay? I need every guy to pay attention. You got to take the lead. You got to pay attention, you got to. Take the lead in talking openly with your wife. Communication begins with you, talk openly with her. Keep the relationship interesting and keep it romantic. Psychologists say that even if you have to put intimacy on the calendar, Then do it. Deal with conflict in your home. Deal with it. Here's what's really important, guys. It's even hard for me. When you're there, be fully present. When you're there, with your wife and kids. Be fully present. It's easy to be thinking about work, all the stuff around the house, all the challenges in your life, getting out to the golf course, whatever it is. But when you're there, be fully present. And take intentionally the raising of your kids because dad if you don't raise them somebody else will and the culture will step in and do it for you and you can almost guarantee it won't be for the heart of God we need to ask God to flip our homes Culture needs it to happen. The church needs it to happen. Society, families as a whole need it to happen. It begins with us. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me today. And we're going to sincerely ask the Lord to do in our lives what needs to be done. To the Father God, we thank you for your love and your grace for us, Lord. We thank you that. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, FirstMissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family Then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.